Hello and welcome to Carbon Dialogue, a forum to discuss all things sustainable. I'm your host Siddharth Das Gupta, bringing you green perspectives from industry experts, academicians, and seasoned practitioners. Carbon Dialogue aims to break down pressing issues in the climate space and understand the solutions needed to tackle them. As an avid learner of the space, I want to reach out to all the curious souls who want to make a difference and be more conscious. Let's change the world one conversation at a time. You can follow us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hi, everyone. Today, we are talking about one of the most existential crises of our times, which is the energy crisis. And while we talk about the energy crisis, it just cannot be summed up into like a small one-headed topic. It's the entire nine yards. And the most important thing in this existential crisis is the entire energy transition part. And while it, it cannot happen in one country, it has to have a domino effect co- coming from countries to countries. Today we have Mr. Mohammed Saif joining us from India. He's the partner for EY and he's taking care of the entire energy transition piece. He's one of the key players for Africa, India, and Middle East part of consulting, which leads from EY. And he's also being a very instrumental part of the transactional advisory services of EY. He has uh, more than 18 years of experience across industry and power sector, mainly consulting in big fours. He has spent considerable amount of time at PwC, PricewaterhouseCooper, before joining EY. And he's worked in spaces like renewables, e-mobility, storage, hydrogen, etc. Today, we'll be talking more from the perspective of energy transition. And what's happening exactly in India right now? Because right now, Saf is in India and obviously he works out of India. And he's also helping the Indian government on many aspects, starting from the drafting of policy or redrafting or rehashing. And... While a lot of amendment bills are happening right now, in fact, the Energy Conservation Bill 2022 also got introduced. We will be talking a lot about that as well as a few other things where I think Saf is one of the better person who's placed in this space to guide us around what's happening. Welcome, Saf, and uh, thanks for joining us uh, on our podcast today. I know it's a year-ending time and must be really busy for you, so I can't thank you enough. And thank you. And uh, just uh, let me know how cold is it in Delhi? I mean, right now I can tell you in New York, it's like 9 a.m. It's it's pretty freezing and it's minus 8 and the wind is making it chiller, like minus 14. The chill factor is quite quite high. But as we know that we our houses are built over here in an infrastructure which is built for this kind of weather. Delhi or India is predominantly a tropical country. So I'm sure a lot of people are facing that brunt. I mean, I was there till about last year, so I can I can relate. How bad is it right now? I said, thank you so much for inviting me first to your podcast. It's actually an honor to speak to you after such a long time sitting in New York doing one of the best courses in sustainability. Coming back to the temperature, see, in I live in the Delhi National Capital Region, Gurgaon. Uh, yesterday, we had the coldest day in the season. But compared to where you are, it was just 6.8 degrees as the lowest. However, as you rightly said, our infrastructure is not built for that. So while I'm sitting very comfortably in the office, all warmed up, but most of the population, even at homes, 
are not used to these type of setups and so it it becomes really really chilly to manage this in the morning today when my kids were going the younger one was not ready to you know go to school saying why is the school not been off surprisingly some of the schools are still continuing for this week and then closing for the next 2 3 weeks so it is chilly not as compared to what you would be feeling but yes the feels like would be much higher here Mm, I'm sure. I'm sure. And this year being uh, El Nino year, this might be a little more crazier than any other year because of the entire uh, wind transport happening from a different part hemisphere of the world. So I've been rehashing my my concepts while I was uh, I was doing all sort of planetary physics and chemistry. And honestly, it's been quite an experience uh, for my first semester so far. It's been really nice to see how best I can use my knowledge, existing knowledge of physics and chemistry, in making sure that nobody is taking me for a ride when it comes to climate change. And while you say, and while I understand where what you're trying to say that the infrastructures are not built that way, and India being one of the topmost, maybe the third most. energy hungry country right now it's consuming more energy per capita as compared to any of the developed world of this part of the planet but honestly while we talk about the entire energy transition why do we actually still feel challenged about the energy efficiency being any country's topmost priority coming from like it's its entire journey as you know and it just cannot it's not about a destination it's about the entire path what you cover so maybe what you think from your perspective that how this entire energy transition while being very very energy efficient for a country like india which is so dense which has so much of need of energy where energy is also one of the most expensive per unit energy across the world how do you see things happening in terms of the energy efficiency for india perspective right now thanks i mean that was a very long question so when we talk about energy transition said let's understand the energy value chain on one side of the value chain is the supply side which means where energy is getting supplied earlier it was more fossil fuel dominated especially coal in india or diesel or petrol for automobiles india is actually i can say on the forefront of you know moving towards greener supply options especially with taking the lead in the globe among the leaders when it comes to renewable energy and its adoption so that one side is the supply side the other most important side is the demand side when we talk about the demand side it's like me and you currently sitting and speaking we are consuming electricity right we are using energy electrical energy when we drive a vehicle we use those energy so there the usage becomes very critical especially for a country like india where the per capita per capita specific energy consumption is still one third of the average world's specific energy consumption right we are still very low so to grow and to reach towards the developed country we need to enhance that but the projection is that say by 2030 we are supposed to be almost three times of the 2000 level when we started the year so it's almost tripling every decade it's it'll add on double uh, 100% add on from the 2000 level so 
we know that we would require more energy and we also know that our current energy consumption is less but are we efficiently using that that's the major important question we are having i'll, I'll come to that uh, how we are trying to drive in india but the most important thing to address understand before i reach to that level is that if i use electricity or any form of energy i need to use it in a way that it is the most optimum but i am getting the output which i desire okay that is known as an energy efficient system usage and the classic example of this is we used yellow bulbs long time back the incandescent bulb for lighting then there was a time when all those bulbs got replaced with cfl those cfls used almost a half or less than one third of the energy that was used by those yellow bulbs but for the same output and now we have transitioned to leds which are again using lesser much lesser less than one third of the cfl energy but with the same output so we are becoming more and more energy efficient okay so the government of india scheme for ujala was to mass convert all these yellow bulbs to these cfls at that time and it actually gave a lot of impetus on the demand side so when you talk about clean energy transition one option is to obviously replace all existing energy sources with the renewables and whatever is going to come in the future build supply those i mean only build renewable no fossil fuel thing but if i am efficiently using my energy that new additions can always be optimized or minimized right if i instead of using two units i just use one unit for the same output then i would require lesser capacities at the supply side isn't it i would require less things now the benefit of less thing is apart from saving on money and resources we also need to understand that even adding a renewable capacity has its own carbon footprint which i am saving hence the energy efficiency side of the energy value chain becomes very very critical okay that's interesting that's really interesting when it becomes so critical it is all the more reason that the measures around it which makes it even more robust are made from or maybe it just needs a little bit of overhaul every now and then so i'm not sure whether india Correct. is doing those things and if it is how and if you are helping the ministry Correct. by any so, way so india actually had a quite great vision when it came to energy efficiency and in fact in india if you look at electricity and energy as a whole there are two federal acts or laws that govern this while electricity overall is governed by the electricity act 2003 the energy conservation or energy efficiency is governed by something known as the energy conservation act which came in 2001 even before this new act okay and what it drove was a certain number of energy efficiency programs at the national level that have actually helped india optimize electricity usage and other energy usage although there is lot to be done but yes i'll give you an example in india most domestic appliances and most industrial appliances now follow tar rating so if you go you might be remembering to buy a refrigerator or a television or a the washing machine 
you will see that they have a star rating a five star equipment will mean this will save the maximum electricity while giving the same output okay yeah i wonder why this entire star rating i've been seeing this for quite some time and obviously i have read about it what are the uh, major yardsticks behind measuring these uh, stars so i mean just for our listeners sake they would like to know what these stars are i mean just in a nutshell yeah, if you have to explain someone in in a broad level see for every equipment there is a different standard of consumption for example a tv will use a different electricity usage pattern than a window air conditioner but in a broad level what happens is that most of the equipment have a uh, two or rather three to five ratings one and two are not getting used five means the most energy efficient for that particular class okay so for the same brand i will have a five rated air conditioner also four rated also and three rated also now five obviously will have a higher cost upfront cost and three would have the cheapest cost okay but when you calculate the life cycle cost you know what is the life cycle cost a life cycle yeah. is the cost of purchasing it and then cost mm-hmm. of running it then mm. the cost life cycle cost of a five star rated equipment will be much much cheaper than a three star rated the reason being when you add the electricity consumption cost when you operate it during the life it would be much lower than a three rated and this is what you know the government is trying to tell the consumers make them more aware about this so i have personally been associated with the entire thing over a long period of time and i've seen the awareness increasing many fold yeah so these stars uh, i mean these stars depict a different story you're absolutely right i mean the way it has been uh, propagated for the past few years it's 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 nice at least india is taking measures from the huge and enormous consumer base it has and maybe on the same lines uh, why is energy efficiency even more critical for a country like india in its clean energy transition plans because while india is talking about ev while ev also cannot run uh, on anything but lithium ion because it, the world has grown really high like top the journey is far ahead for a lithium ion to actually reverse to go to some any other battery so while ev is a double edged sword and that that's what that's what uh, a lot of uh, current practitioners have been saying and the research is showing it is also a very integral part of energy efficiency but is it a part of energy efficiency which we can talk later my second question is like why is energy efficiency so critical for a country like india in its clean clean energy transition plans and the leading question is would initiatives like ev help in india or for that matter even the world so maybe we can start with india because it's most dense so first thing first as i mentioned for india energy efficiency becomes all the more critical because as i i told you that india's energy needs are still in the growing phase they have not saturated so the more energy efficient you are in usage the lesser resources you will require to add at the supply side and hence less you know financial requirements lesser environmental impacts okay so that is the major reason why energy efficiency becomes very critical now when you look at any initiative whether it is e mobility or anything from an energy efficiency thing the e mobility definitely is transitioning from a internal combustion engine to electric engine which means 
lesser environmental burden. That's fine. From energy efficiency side, what is being looked at is that to charge a electric vehicle, what is the most energy efficient system? So there are three systems for the same car. One system takes say five units of electricity, another takes four, and the third one takes three. So obviously, the third one, which is taking the lowest energy, is the most energy efficient. So while energy efficiency or electric vehicle is a very good clean energy transition option, but it has to be you know put in place in the most energy efficient. This is how you look at things from an energy efficiency angle. Same is uh, something called the Energy Conservation Building Code, where buildings earlier it was only large commercial buildings. Now, with the amendment that has happened, you will see domestic buildings larger than about one hundred kilowatt of load. They will also be coming into the ambit, and they have to follow certain principles to make themselves energy efficient. So, without impacting their Needs for cooling or heating or lighting. How can they optimize the overall energy conservation in that building? So the Energy Conservation Act has been very recently amended. That I, I was lucky to be part of that team which was supporting the government in preparing that act, and it has been very recently. I think around a week or ten days back only, uh, the President of India has signed that, and it will very soon become. a uh, proper act it will be known as energy conservation amendment act 2022 so there are certain add ons in that act to make it more you know aligned with the current need so the earlier act always talked about designated consumers which were consumers like glass cement and all who used to consume very high level of energy they gave the act gave targets for each designated consumer on a certain unit consumption basis now this amendment is going to tell or prescribe a certain minimum renewable usage consumption okay for the first time second this act is also going to talk about creating a carbon market in the country mm. where you can trade over achievement of your renewable targets through this carbon market right then there as i already mentioned the residential buildings are now going to come under the energy conservation bill so this amendment is going to actually bring in more teeth to the overall mm. energy efficiency uh, initiative which is happening plus also on the greener part uh, like mandatory usage of renewable which was not there so i i believe we are on a very interesting path i'm very pleasantly not just happy but i'm surprised but also i'm very impressed with the kind of initiatives which are being taken right now yes uh, the government has been taking initiatives for a longer period of time but now as and when we the entire world is a maturing growing world india is a very important like a key player whatever india says or does the world listens to it and it just makes it even more important for india to take those paths which is like more environment friendly so that it creates a good example for other middle income and low income countries and even the partnership with the us right now uh, is just on a different level which also has us is in trouble being jointly supported by people who also has uh, say in indian political diaspora which is which is great 
And while all this is happening, I mean, I still have to go through the amendment. Uh, if I'm not sure whether it is already out in the public domain, is it? If it is no, out, the amendment then, is out. It's out. Okay. It's out. So I will uh, I will go through it and I'll probably read through it. But the salient features, as what it is coming from you right now, it appears like it tries to cover a lot. It has the building part to it. it no, I'm sure the scope emissions will be will be mentioned and how much of scope emissions are. So what are the green buildings and how those green buildings would be more feasible or maybe standardized in a sort of a set nomenclature, which makes it more easier for anybody to absorb someone who doesn't even know the concepts. And while all this is happening, I mean, I, I still remember I was I was a young kid and a lot of gung-ho was created around uh, CFCs and HFCs. So I'm not sure, not too much of talks are happening. Nobody is talking much about the hydrofluorocarbons. I'm not sure if it is like something you may or may not be working around it. But being, being an expert, do you think that the HFCs are still creating a dent in the environment? Because... Think, what I is think, it right now? Oh, yeah, I mean, what what right. is the status I, of HFCs? I have not worked much in that domain, but what I understand is that most of these were coming from the refrigerant gases. Sida, one of the major. I know. Yeah. For mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In fact, last Friday only I received a call from a client who said we want to explore the market to manufacture a new segment of these refrigerant gases, which are having lesser impact on the environment. They have certain nomenclature like R32 and all that. I believe that part has majorly been addressed. Okay. That HFCs and all. Uh, mm, I, interesting. Sure it's not that great. But... Uh, yeah, it's been quite some time I haven't heard about this. So I mean, I, I was a kid I, when I when I saw my first fridge. Yeah, it was like no CFC or CFC free. It was written all over the fridge. So you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Considering you have such a dense and, uh, and an amazing footprints uh, working with federal agencies in India, I mean, tell us something about India's Energy Conservation Act and how is it different from the Electricity Act of 2003? The Electricity Act primarily talks about how the electricity industry, the sector overall, should be structured, should be regulated, right? and it focused a lot on reforms. So, for example, when this act came, before that, there were a lot of requirements and approvals needed for electricity generation, any type, thermal, hydro, whatever. So, this act said that you don't require licenses, especially for the thermal and all. So, a lot of privatization was put in. The act mandated the state. So, India has a very unique structure. It's like an EU when it comes to the electricity sector. So every electricity is a concurrent subject in India, which means while the federal government will come up with the main act, but the downstream rules and all can be prepared by individual state governments. So India has every state in India, which is 28 states, and then you have union territories and all. They all have their own retail tariff structures, right? There is no standard retail tariff structure pan India. That's because every government has customized the tariff structure to the needs of the local population. Now, the Act provided guidance to these governments to unbundle an integrated sector. Earlier, there were boards, electricity boards, but they, the Electricity Act guided them to at least segregate them into a generation utility, a transmission utility for state, and then distribution utilities, which can be one or more. 
when you talk about the energy conservation act it was more larger than in only electricity it was covering all sort of energies and it was majorly focusing on the conservation of elect energy usage right that time the major en- energy consumer which are which is today also is the industrial segment so they came out with this scheme called pat perform achieve trade and allowed the industries gave industries targets larger industries the large energy guzzlers whom you call industries targets for energy savings and then they also told them that you can achieve more and trade it with someone who has not achieved the target to help that entity meet the target so this came way back in 2001 and then the entire mechanism got implemented somewhere around 45 2004 2005 and it is running very successfully in fact the current amendment is going to increase the ambit of these segments to get more level of consumers into the pat scheme this is how these two acts are different but yes one major thing that the electricity act helped was delicensing generation which actually led to lot of renewable coming in without much requirement of license or not so it triggered that although not immediately but downstream when india started focusing on renewables mm i was just there with ey till about 4 uh, months ago and uh, while i was there uh, i still remember about how we at ey helped prime minister modi and pm johnson in drafting the concept note of uh, one sun one world one grid commonly known as the green grid initiative gci the concept in itself was such an amazing concept and obviously quite a quite an ambitious project i must say i know that we at ey were helping them and your team specifically was a part of it where we all were a part of uh, this entire cop in glasgow cop 26 perfect and uh, thanks a lot with that i would like to thank in fact from our entire team at our podcasting venture we fear started uh, like few months ago we thank you from the bottom of our heart we wish you a very happy new year we hope that you try to get some your time with your family and be somewhere where it's warm and may the next year be one of the best uh, you've had so far So great see you hopefully next year and thank you for being with us